0: You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he, said to his, he, said, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of the Nether world shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, all the Gospels have one very concrete purpose. All of the four Gospels. And that is to help us to know who is Jesus. And they are explaining through many different uh, accounts of happenings in Jesus' life and between Jesus and his disciples to help us understand the mystery of Christ. This is really the purpose of the Gospels. And many of the texts tell many stories, but sometimes there are moments which reveal the climax of the author's intention. One such moment, for example, is in Mark's Gospel at the crucifixion. After Jesus has died, the centurion says truly this was the Son of God. And just even from a point of view of literary analysis, if just taking it as a work of literature, it's very clear that this is a climactic moment in the whole textual, the whole narrative. You understand? And this is very interesting. So they're telling us who is Jesus. And in Matthew's Gospel, one of these key moments is just the text we read. And it happened near here. If you're a very good athlete, you could get there in one day on your bicycle. You would go up to Caesarea Philippi at the foot of Mount Hermon. If you are not a good athlete, then you take a car and you're there in 50 minutes or an hour. It's only about 60 or 70 kilometers to Caesarea. And that's where the Jordan comes out from under Mount Hermon. And it's a huge rock face. I'm not sure how many stories high, but it would be quite a few stories high, this rock face. And there was a pagan temple there, actually a couple of pagan temples, and also built by Herod... Uh, Philip the son of Herod the Great because when the Herod the Great died they had to divide up the area between the heirs of Herod the Great that the Romans supported because they wouldn't be there without the Roman support and Herod uh, built temples there to the god Pan the god of terror but also a pastoral god in times of peace and a pagan god and that's why today the place is called Banias, because in Arabic language, they have difficulty saying P. So the Peter is, uh, Petros is called Butros in Arabic. And then it's called Banias. They can't say Panias, so they call it Banias. So this place is where the Jordan comes out of a huge, big cave underneath the mountain that in antiquity they couldn't plumb the depths. They weren't able to get to the bottom of this, of this uh, fountain of water coming out. And because of the dark nature of this cave, where the water was coming out, they called it the gates of hell, the gates of the underworld. Hell not in the sense of but it's the, the, the area of the dead, of the under, because the dead were in the underworld. And it was called the gates of, uh, the gates of Hades. So this is the background to this uh, text that uh, Jesus speaks to Peter. And the circumstance is like a little opinion poll. Nowadays we have many opinion polls in the world for everything they ask your opinion who's going to be the next president, who, what should happen with this situation. And everybody says their opinion, and they're 50% for this, and 30% for this opinion, 20% for this opinion. And this is what they're doing. Some say Jesus John the Baptist. Some say he's Elijah. Some say he's Jeremiah. Some say he's one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? And we're coming to this climactic moment in Matthew's Gospel. You, Peter says, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he is exactly bang on, hit the target, the bullseye. But Jesus wants to tell Peter something. Flesh and blood, your own brains, your own instinct didn't tell you this. But my heavenly Father. It's a gift of faith that you received to be able to make this confession of faith in my person. This is what Jesus is saying to Peter. And because of this, despite your weakness and sinking in the water, despite the fact that you deny me three times, despite all your human weakness, I am taking you and calling you rock on this rock. And the rock is huge. And this weak man, flesh and blood, if a stone falls on us, it crushes our hand. I call you rock. And he's not rock because of his temperament, because of his nationality, because he's the oldest in his family, or the richest, or the best, or the smartest, or has Olympic, or has two doctorates, or is from such a country. No, because he is weak humanly, but the grace of God makes him rock. Just like the grace of God turned an 80-year-old Abraham into a father of Isaac. It was a gift from God. And we see this everywhere. David, he was the last. His father Jesse didn't even remember to call him. He presented everybody and Samuel says, Don't you have any other son? Because I'm here to get one of your sons to be king. Oh yeah, I forgot. There's the little boy out in the field with the sheep call him we cannot start without him God calls the last ones a little girl in Nazareth to be his mother he calls Mary Magdalene with all her problems to be the witness to the resurrection so we're not operating on a level of pure human strategy human strategy thinks a lot analyzes a lot plans a lot and follows a plan God has a plan too but not according to the way we think. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so different is my way of thinking from your way of thinking. But it takes us a long time to learn that God can bless us through our weaknesses. Even when we have failed miserably and sinned, God can use that occasion. It's not the sin that does it. It's God's mercy does it. And in that weakness, he gives us huge blessings. This is the way God works. God is a genius doing this. And he does it to break our pride. Because we have a foolish, ridiculous, ridiculous means you could laugh at it, pride. Stolz in German. And God wants to dismantle it because that disfigures our person. It ruins us. Pride ruins us. And this is the great gift of God's work of salvation. And we see this all through the scriptures. We also see a phenomenon through the scriptures that God, who could come to every one of us independently of anybody else, chooses to come to us through others. Why does he need Moses, who can't even speak, to lead the people? Why does he need the poor shepherd boy to be the shepherd of his people? It's God's will. He wants to do it that way. We read a beautiful psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall want for nothing. But show me one baby. Who doesn't need anything. That God gives him everything directly. With DHL or with what's up. No. God gives him two parents to take care of the baby. A mother and a father. So the Lord is my shepherd. But he gives us a mother and a father without them we would never have come anywhere. God gives, the the way humanity is organized is social structure with leadership in every sphere, in every generation, in every culture. It might have different forms the way it's exercised and it will have lots of problems because we're human beings and we are supposed to serve but many times we dominate because we have that DNA that's a little bit twisted inside us. We should have a good dominion But we have a very selfish dominion many times. And we misuse our dominion many times. And so we shouldn't be surprised that in the church there are times when some of our leaders, and me, and bishops, and popes, and they have big problems. But God works through their weakness. In this time, we are going through a crisis of respect for the mission God gave the church in the person of Peter. And people have withdrawn and have become super critical of the Holy Father. You know, it's an amazing thing. A Protestant man came to me very recently here in Magdala. And he said, I need to talk to you. I have Catholic friends in Florida. He's American. And he spends a lot of time here in Israel. And he said, they're very concerned about the Catholic Church. They want to quit because of the teaching about the blessings that were announced in December. And he said, can we talk? I said, of course, we sat down. And I said, if somebody comes to you from your family with this problem, do you read the riot act from Sodom and Gomorrah? Or do you say, let's go and have a beer, let's go and sit down, have a chat, let's go and play a game of golf, and let's get talking. And he said, I don't need any more explanations. What the Holy Father has done is opened a pathway of blessing to bring people step by step. It's amazing the blogosphere is so virulent against Pope Francis. We need to pray today for a great humility to recognize how God works. And many things might not jibe with us. Some people didn't like John Paul II. Other people didn't like Cardinal Ratzinger. He was a German shepherd. He was a Polish guy. He doesn't understand the Western world. He was raised under communism. There's always human limitations. This guy's from Argentina. Doesn't matter. He takes Peter and he puts him there to lead the church. Let us ask for the grace to renew our faith. And you know, one of the biggest things that happens when people criticize the Pope, they say, you hear about this document. I said to them did you read it? No. What did you read? The New York Times, the CNN, read the document. Even most of the Catholics don't read what the Holy Father writes. Read it. Read one document you write from beginning to end. You will love the teaching and the style of Pope Francis. Sorry for being a bit long. I'm a bit passionate about this because it's very important. It's connected to the mystery of salvation to the redemption of our weakness and how God works in history since the biblical time, since Abraham to this day, and will continue like that into the future with its problems and its challenges and its incredible blessings when we are humble before God's gifts. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.